You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The word is about There's something evolving Whatever may come The world keeps revolving They say the next big thing is here That the revolution's near But to me it seems quite clear That it's all just a little bit of history repeating Welcome to a special edition of the Nicole Sandler Show. I'm out having eye surgery today. I plan to take the whole week off to rest and recover. But of course, it looks like this is the week that Donald Trump is finally going to be arrested. And if that happens, I will come back and do a show. It could be tomorrow. That's what he's claiming. But, you know, he lies so often. I can't believe anything he says. So take that for what it's worth. But if there is any big breaking news like that, I'll be here. Otherwise, I promise you an interesting, relevant show, not just a repeat of something from a few weeks ago either. I have many years of archives built up, and sometimes I think it's important to look back on history, as we've been discussing lately. Today is March 20th, 2023. It's the 20th anniversary of the U.S. invasion of Iraq. 20 years. Well, on Friday's show, I spoke with a Vietnam War draft resistor about the fact that their stories have been erased from the history books. Well, along with other wide swaths of our history, thanks to those doing the rewriting. But that's a subject for another day. But for now, I'll repeat myself. It is so important that we never forget the stupid mistakes that have been made in our names. Now, they're not done to make anyone feel bad about their ancestors' roles or the color of their skin, but to ensure that we don't repeat the same mistakes over and over again. But we keep hiding things, whitewashing history, gaslighting the world, and we're doomed to living with those mistakes repeating. Sometimes we learn, too often we don't. So when the U.S. invaded Iraq, March 20th, 2003, Dennis Kucinich was a congressman from Ohio. He'd been in office since 1997 and actually held on to that seat until, well, he was forced out after redistricting in 2010. His district combined with Marcy Captors, and she wound up winning the matchup between the two of them. But Dennis Kucinich, on March 19th, 2009, was my guest on this show, which was at the time on Air America Radio. It's Nicole Sandler back with you on Air America Radio. The date is March 19, 2009. And, well, you know, think back six years. Yeah, it was this date six years ago that the U.S. invaded Iraq. And uh, much to the dismay of many citizens and a few in Congress, although... Most, um, well, listen to Colin Powell, uh, who listened to George Bush, who listened to Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld. And we wound up attacking a country that was not an imminent threat to the U.S. One of the biggest critics, a man who just days before we invaded Iraq, delivered an impassioned plea to his colleagues not to wage war on this country, is Dennis Kucinich. He ran for president in in the last two presidential elections. 
uh, on a platform of peace. One of the things I love most about him is his desire to create a department of peace. And today, on the sixth anniversary of the invasion of Iraq, he was my first choice of people to speak with. And I'm thrilled that Congressman Dennis Kucinich has uh, put aside a couple of minutes to join us today. Uh, hi, Congressman. Thank you for being with me on Air America. Hi, good to be with you. It's good to speak with you again. It's been a while. Um, as I was just saying, usually when you say anniversary, it's a day to celebrate. But this is a day we need to recognize, because it was six years ago, that we invaded Iraq. And here we are, although we have a new president who has given us a, a date certain for pulling combat troops out, the fact remains we are still at war not only in Iraq but Afghanistan. And I wanted to get your thoughts today. Uh, the, the war was wrong from the beginning. <clears throat> And I led the effort in the House of Representatives in challenging the Bush administration's march towards war in Iraq. We knew then that there was no proof that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction or had the intention or capability of attacking the United States. Uh, that was uh, in the debate that, that took place in October of 2002, that uh, information was brought forward that uh, the administration was simply trying to build a case for war that they hadn't proved. Here we are. Uh, more than six years from that debate, uh, thousands of American lives lost, tens of thousands of lives changed forever because of injuries, and over a million innocent Iraqis died. There has to be accountability. We have to get out of Iraq. You know, we cannot stay there, but there has to be accountability for those who led us down this path. Now, where are we on that? I mean, while uh, George Bush and his administration were still in office, you led the charge, as you did for the creation of a Department of Peace, you also led the charge to hold these people accountable for their actions with right. uh, introducing impeachment resolutions for both George Bush and Dick Cheney. Uh, it, 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 and now that they're out of office, what is our recourse? What do we do now? Well, I, I believe that uh, the members of the Bush administration were instrumental in bringing about the war, who discounted intelligence that showed that there was uh, no proof that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, who inflated or twisted information to try to build a case for war. Uh, each and every person involved in that process should be held accountable under law. You can't take a nation into war based on lies. There is a, such a high responsibility that people in government have to uh, be right about these things. And they were not just wrong. This isn't a case of bad judgment. This is a case of building a false, a false uh, cause of war. And so the accountability has to be there. It has to be there under national law, and it should be there under international law. But we should be able to clean up this mess within our own borders. Uh, I, I think that uh, we have to see that each one of these individuals, from the top uh, uh, down to the middle level, who were involved in putting us into this war, uh, that they're held accountable individually and severally. Now, President Obama has said that, you know, he's not interested in, in prosecuting former officials, although Nancy Pelosi, though she fought you uh, while you were spearheading the impeachment movement, um, now seems to have changed her tune a little bit. Do you see any official government action against the Bush administration for you taking know, us into an unjust war? As a practical matter, with our economy falling apart, with people losing their jobs and their homes, their health care and their retirement security at jeopardy, I think we're probably not looking at this as being the first order of business. And rightly so, probably. And, and, but uh, we have to have the capacity to be able to move in multiple directions simultaneously. At some point, Congress is going to have to face this issue of what to do about fixing responsibility for those who gave false information to the Congress in a cause for war. Uh, this is something that uh, cannot be ignored. This is central to maintaining a democratic uh, society because right now we're functioning in Iraq based on on lies that were told to the Congress. There has, there has to be consequences to, for that. And so um, I'm, I'm not going to let this go. go but at the same time, I can tell you that, the, that the, the incredible amount of effort it takes right now to try to uh, restore our economy and to challenge uh, the misconduct on Wall Street is, is an 18-hour-a-day job in itself. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, uh, uh, you know, myself and other members are going to persist in fixing accountability for this war. We cannot let any administration in the future just drag this country into a war without having consequences if they, um, if they mislead the nation. And the nation was misled with great consequence to the American people and even greater consequence to the people of Iraq right. who've, well, lost their, who've lost their lives, their families, their, their homes, uh, and, 
and opportunities for the future. Well, thank you uh, on behalf of my fellow citizens for your efforts uh, on this, because it's it's good to know that we have Congressman Dennis Kucinich and they're still fighting the good fight, so to speak. Now, what about President Obama's plans to uh, pull down the troops from Iraq and uh, and end the war? Are you satisfied with his plan? Well, it, 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 it he's going in the right direction. Okay. But uh, the question is, uh, does the administration truly intend to leave Iraq? Mm-hmm. I don't know that the answer to that is yes. Uh, at this point, I think the jury's still out. Uh, I would uh, advise the president, and I have through members of his administration, uh, that we do need sharp timelines, that we do need to be out of there. And, and being out doesn't mean that you rename troops, combat troops, and just say that they're advisors and leave them in. It doesn't mean that you create a detachment of, of tens of thousands and they mill around this embassy in uh, Baghdad, which is bigger than the Vatican. Uh, we need to, to get out of that country, and then we can rebuild a relationship with a new government and take steps to be admitted into a form of relationship. Otherwise, we're just occupiers who are using a position of occupation to uh, subjugate a people and to uh, pretend that somehow they have autonomy and sovereignty when, in fact, uh, uh, their sovereignty is uh, minimal with uh, an occupying army. Right, and they are talking about leaving a, a, a large number of troops there, yeah. um, which is sort of uh, well disturbing at, at the least. Well, now, you can't you can't say you're withdrawing and leave a large number right. of troops there. I mean that that you know that's inherently contradictory. Mm-hmm. And while in life we need to be able to hold mutually contradictory assumptions simultaneously, uh, the fact of the matter is, it, you're either in or you're out. And you know this isn't a Katy Perry song. We're talking about a. A, we're either in or we're out here, mm-hmm. and I think we should get out, and I don't think that we should have any plans to leave any level of detachment in Iraq uh, and get in the world community involved so we can look at a, a post-U.S. occupation and also uh, myself and other members of Congress from both parties uh, stepped forward two days ago to advise the Obama administration that perhaps they should rethink their plans to create a surge in Afghanistan was going to be my next question, because as unjust as the war in Iraq was and remains, um, it's a little murkier when it comes to Afghanistan. There were those who said, well, that's where the people who attacked us are living, and we need to be there, not in Iraq. As the peace uh, representative for, for those of us who just want peace in the world, what do you say? What's going on with Afghanistan? Because it's looking like well, this is going to be the new endless war. We had the we had the responsibility to respond to the attacks of 9/11, uh, but uh, we didn't have any right to stay there. Mm. Uh, our our occupation and activities in Afghanistan fly in the face of history, uh, the British experience and the Russian experience, which is that uh, that no one's conquering Afghanistan, no one's going to control Afghanistan, and the best we can do is to work with the international community to try to control some of the effects of what's going on in Afghanistan, such as the increase in the illegal uh, drug uh, traffic. Uh, I, I think uh, we, we have to uh, look collaboratively at this. We cannot take the responsibility of certainly escalating, which is bound to be a disaster, or the escalation along the Pakistani-Afghani um, uh, Af- border with these drones and, uh, and other types of attacks. We, we you know, for the administration, which in so many ways is taking quite a cautious approach in dealing with the economy, doesn't seem to uh, be particularly cautious when it comes to uh, dealing with Afghanistan and Pakistan. So I'm hopeful that the uh, president will listen to uh, some of the members of Congress who have demonstrated a capacity to be able to understand the complexities of the region by opposing the war uh, in Iraq, that he'll listen to our assessments of Afghanistan and take it into account when He's making his decisions about uh, increasing troop levels. Well, I, I, and I hope he does, but it, all indications seem to be to the contrary these days. Well, you know, he's, I, I, I think that all of us understand. He's been, uh, President Obama's been in office only two months. Right. Uh, and George, he, his plate George, is fairly full. <laughs> George Bush left him a mess. Everywhere he turns, there's a mess. Um, you know, he's, he's going to need a lot of help. And uh, we, we have to be ready to offer a different path. And that's the approach that I've taken in a way that has been, uh, that has the intention of being supportive, uh, mindful of the difficulties that he faces, but knowing that uh, those of us uh, who have uh, been able to accurately 
estimate what was going on in Iraq uh, six, seven years ago, uh, that we have, we've earned a right to be able to um, engage in the discussion about uh, other matters in the region. Well, Dennis Kucinich, I, I so appreciate you coming on the air with us today on Air America. You and I spoke a number of times on the air through the election, and, and, and you were such a staunch advocate for peace, and, and I'm glad to know you're still fighting the good fight. I, you, Absolutely. It, was, it, it was a tough election for you, and I think part of your criticism of the party, um, there, was, there was a big fight on against you, and thankfully you were just reelected to your seventh term in Congress from Ohio. And, uh, again, on behalf of all of us out there who don't get the chance to say it enough, I thank you for your efforts. Thank you. Uh, let's talk again. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks a lot. Congressman Dennis Kucinich, you can find him at kucinich.house.gov and also kucinich.us is his website. Uh, members of Congress have to run for re-election every two years. He's one of the necessary ones there. So do what you can to help keep him in office. We'll take a break for the news and come back in the next hour with you on the phones and Scott Ritter, too. Sarah America Radio will be back. Wow. All right. So that is from March 2009, 14 years ago tonight. Scott Ritter, who I just promoted, was coming up. He was kind of a semi-regular guest back then, but I won't replay that segment. And I won't invite him back, although you can apparently see him a lot on right-wing media these days because he is now a Russia apologist. Yeah, Scott Ritter was a UN weapons inspector and a Marine Corps intelligence officer. And back in 2009, he was an outspoken critic of the war in Iraq. So he was on with me, I guess, that night. Later that year, We learned that Scott Ritter had been arrested on child pornography charges. There was an incident back in 2001 and then another one again in 2009. In 2011, he was sentenced to five and a half years in prison. He wound up serving two and a half. And I thought we'd never hear from him again until he pops up on Fox. One thing that hasn't changed over these years is my frustration with all of it. From our government's misfiring on just about every front, war, to Trump, even fascism making a comeback. Well, back in 2009, and on that same Air America show 14 years ago tonight, I played an audio production that I had put together. It features a rant from Keith Olbermann, Howard Beale from Network, and music. Now, I don't do this these days because I can't play stuff like this on YouTube. I'll get copyright violated. But since we're taking a break from video this week, I figured I could get away with it on the audio-only show. Again, this piece I'm about to play is from 2009. So the names have mostly changed, but the relevance remains. Five weeks ago, Vikram Pandit, the chief executive officer of Citigroup, went back to Congress, tail seemingly between his legs, and with entreaty dripping from his voice, announced, I get the new reality, and I'll make sure Citi gets it as well. In point of fact, as Bloomberg News reports today, what Mr. Pandit got was a new $10 million executive suite for himself and his key associates. This is the same Mr. Pandit who said he would show his leadership by accepting compensation from Citigroup of $1 a year. In fact, he then accepted a total compensation package for two. 2008 of 38 million dollars enough 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 i want you to get mad i'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore we're not gonna take it never did and never will but if they're going to call us names whether they apply or not let's give them real reform break up the banks Regulate the financial industries to within an inch of their existences. Roll back corporate legal protections. Make liable the officers of corporations for their debts and for their deeds. Resurrect the rallying cry of a hundred years past. Bust the trusts. Tonight I say to the people of America, to Democrats and Republicans and independents across this great land, enough! And if the monopolies of radio or television rear up to support the corporate structure to say a contract is a contract, even though that is not true for a union these days, only for an AIG trader, take the invisible, unused sword of Damocles they still fatuously insist is hanging over their heads and make it real. Enough. Make sure both sides are heard. Re-regulate the radio and television industries to limit station ownership and demand diversity of management and product. 
Reinstate the old rules that denied one man all the voices in one public square. End all waivers of multiple ownership of television stations and networks and newspapers in the same market. And yes, if a voice of the privileged classes unfairly uses his cable platform to call our neighbors who are the victims of all this losers to insist he alone speaks for the real people, or if another indicts without equal time for defense a particular elected official and then offers himself as a candidate for that very official seat in violation of all canons of good or even fair broadcasting, then tell the cable industry that the free ride is over and it is time that it too be regulated by the FCC. Enough. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Enough. Enough. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. We're not gonna take it, never did and never will. I want you to get up right now. We're not get up, gonna take it. Go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. To all you in the corporate boardrooms, you gentlemen and ladies, and not the good and long-suffering average people of this country, you are fomenting rage in this nation. You are the losers in this equation, and the people are the generous ones. They have not assembled in the streets with pitchforks and flaming torches. You are the ones perceived understood in a visceral and even transcendent way as the committers of what is becoming class economic rape and heed this one word before these people grow weary of forgiving you and instead decide to bring the good life which you have built on their backs crashing down on top of your heads We're not gonna take it. when the next boardroom needs remodeling We're not gonna take it. or the next bonus paid or the next jet purchase We're not gonna take it. remember that one word enough Air America Radio, I'm Nicole Sandler. Enough. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Coming up, we're going to jump ahead six years and check in with my show, no longer on Air America, because they had already killed it off by March 20th, 2015. That's next, and we'll visit with the woman who was dubbed the Peace Mom. We'll get to that in just a second, but first I want to tell you about my Blend Jet 2. For the last couple of months, I've been telling you about the great smoothies I'm enjoying thanks to my Blend Jet 2. You know, I love smoothies, but I didn't make them often because our big Vitamix blender was just such a pain in the butt to take out, to load up, to clean afterwards, and I just didn't go through the process. But with a BlendJet, I can make smoothie bar quality beverages for a fraction of the price and much easier cleanup. In fact, to clean it, all you do is put in a drop of dishwashing liquid with water and run the blender for a cycle. Voila, clean. It's also portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or a refreshing margarita at the beach. It fits right in the cup holder of your car. I mean, there's nothing to not love about this thing. And you can have your own right now. There's a special deal going on for listeners of the Nicole Sandler Show. Just go to blendjet.com, enter feedme12 as the promo code. You'll get 12% off and free two-day shipping. Again, the offer code is feedme12. You get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping and start blending and drinking your afternoon smoothie with me. Okay, back to it. 
March 20th, 2015. That was before the idiots on the right twisted the word woke from its obvious definition of being aware of what's really happening around us. Instead, they tried to make it reflect something wrong or even sinister. They were just as oblivious eight years ago. Back then, if you were paying attention, you know, woke, then you certainly remember Cindy Sheehan. After her son Casey was killed while fighting in Iraq, Cindy Sheehan became the peace mom. She basically started an anti-war movement, the likes of which we hadn't really seen since Vietnam. Next time, they're going to be looking at you. And you're going to need a lot of information to know what you're going to want to do. Blind faith in your leaders or in anything will get you killed. Ain't that the truth? Questioning Authority Daily. The Nicole Sandler Show on RadioOrNot.com. All right. That that clip, by the way, that was Bruce Springsteen from his live album, the intro to his cover of the, the Edwin Starr song, War, talking about war. Anyway, I did reach Cindy Sheehan. She is in D.C. They were caught up on this first day of spring in the snow. Uh, good morning, Cindy Sheehan. It's Nicole calling again. Hey, Nicole. Hi. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Well, happy spring. So it is snowing there in D.C., huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's snowing pretty pretty good. And um, my, snow, my cold weather gear isn't quite up to par being from California, so oh, no. <laughs> my face is frozen off. And and uh, you're hobbling around on a broken toe too, huh? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, all that aside, uh, you Cindy Sheehan, you're in Washington D.C. for um, an event that you put together called Spring Rising. All the details are at springrising.org, and it's not only the protest of uh, the, our series of ongoing wars, our endless wars. Um, uh, but also uh, teach-ins and lectures and marches and um, uh, how's it going so far? It's going really great. I'm very pleased with the energy and the response. You know, it's not as big as when, um, you know, Bush was president, but, you know, we've been really struggling for the past six years to keep a movement going, and it's been extremely difficult. But this time we have dozens of organizations involved. We have people coming from all over the country. There's high energy. There's... um, You know, even though it's small, people all agree that our movement has to be nonpartisan in essence, that we can't stop protesting the wars because the wars don't stop. And so yesterday we had a spring rising war criminal bus tour, and we, four hours going from place to place in Washington, D.C., where war criminals reside, but it was really hard to put the tour together because, you know, I've said you can't throw a rock in Washington, D.C. without hitting a war criminal so it was really hard to narrow the the tour down, but we got out at each stop and we had little demos and um, we had uh, speakers talking about the stops and why we were stopping there. We went out to the Pentagon to the 9-11 memorial. We had a, <clears throat> a father there whose son was killed on 9-11 talking about his experience. And so it was really, um, you know, not just energetic and fun, but it was very meaningful too. So these days have been you know, really meaningful, and it's been great to reconnect with people that we, you know, haven't run into for a while. I mean, back when Bush was president, we used to be here about once a month yeah. and see each other. That <laughs> hasn't been happening, so I hope this re-energizes and sparks well, the anti-empire, anti-war movement. You know, I would love to see that, too. Sadly, it seems that... Um... <clears throat> public opinion is just moving in the wrong direction. And I place the blame on our media. And you got, again, when you look at the media, the mainstream corporate owned media, you have to look at who owns that media and where their interests lie. And that's why we are presented with it. It seems like a never ending parade of former military so-called experts and other pundits who are just, you know, uh, banging those drums of war. And so when a new poll comes out that says 60 some odd percent of the American public supports ground troops to fight ISIS, you know, mm-hmm. there are those of us who just go, what, where are we? Really? We, um, one of our panels, uh, today 
at the UDC, University of DC, at the David Clark Law School, is about that. It's about ISIS, addressing ISIS, and what should the response be besides ground troops and more war. And, you know, the, addressing the propaganda of why does ISIS even exist? and things like that. And, you know, we, this is one issue that we didn't address in Spring Rising, but this isn't the end. You know, tomorrow's march isn't the end of this. We we want to have a, you know, a clear plan going forward, have um, fall rising. We didn't address the media <laughs> that uh, strenuously, but we do um, in fall rising have to make that a focal point because the meat, the so-called media, like you said, they just read press releases yep. from the Pentagon, yep. from the White House, from the CIA. They don't do any um, reporting and they don't tell the truth. So that maybe next time our bus tour will be to these media places, um, you know, and address their uh, their participation in war crimes. You know, that's a really good idea. Um, uh, there was a... Um uh, I, 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 I think Lee Fong wrote a piece not too long ago about these, you know, these retired generals and stuff who are paraded onto every cable news show and even network shows, um, really advocating more war. And the question is, who's paying these people? Um, and right. I think it's, it's always <laughs> right. You follow the money. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the Pentagon and maybe, you know, the, the, the war industry, the military industrial complex, the, you know, the Dick Cheney's and the Halliburton's. Right. Um, there has been, there has been a direct link between ten, the Pentagon and these people that they're, like you said, this, this town is incestuous. It's like you leave the military, you go into uh, some place, some war industry. It's like a revolving door, just like in Congress. When people leave Congress, they go to more lucrative positions in lobby firms or, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, you know, and lobby firms aren't necessarily the, the company. They represent the company. Right. And it's like billions and billions of dollars like go through here. And it's all to influence uh, policy for the 1%. Yeah. So we really want to build a mass movement for true change, not political change, because obviously that isn't, you know, the, the, the cure or the solution, but a mass movement for true change. Well, that, I mean, that is exactly what we need. Um, you know, Cindy Sheehan, again, is with us. She, you these days also host a radio show. The website is Cindy Sheehan Soapbox. Dot com and it's grown into a, a a whole community there. You got a lot of stuff going on. But you, you and I first met back um, when the book Peace Mom came out. Um, you know, I think back on all, all those years ago and and before yeah, two thousand and six. Yeah. Oh my God. And you know, know huh? and and it was two thousand and three. Uh, on this day or yesterday, it's time difference that that we began uh, bombing. Iraq. Uh, earlier, right. earlier this hour before I brought you on, I actually, just to remind us, I played the audio and video of, of George W. Bush sitting in the Oval Office announcing that we're starting, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. Boy, talk about a right. Orwellian and talk about hindsight. Uh-huh. I mean, you look at this and just that five minute clip was so littered with lies and misrepresentation and fear mongering. And you look where we are now. Um, uh, I, you know, I don't know how you do it. I got to say, I listened to him. Your son went over there and was killed. And obviously it changed your life in so many ways and set you on this path, uh, to, to advocate for peace. And for that, I got to say, you have been vilified and, um, uh, the, the attacks on you uh, would make a, a less strong person, um, run and hide. Uh, I think it strengthened you though. Did it? Oh, for sure. I, you know, I always say I buried my son and survived it. What do you think your name calling is going to do? But also, you know, the the political <laughs> the political maneuvering and posturing and support of different political factions. Uh, we're talking about the scar tissue I've developed on my back from all mm. the knives that have been out, have been you know driven into my back. But you know, it just is like, <clears throat> do you know what you're doing is right? And if you know you're righteous. And I know a lot of people who, you know, think war is the solution, think that they're right and righteous also. But the highest calling, I think, is peace. And it's nonviolence. And it's stopping 
the killing, it's economic justice, it's environmental sustainability. And I'm convinced that, you know, that what my, my focus is correct. And I'm convinced that my focus will make the world a better place, a safer place for my surviving children. And I have had five grandchildren since the last time I talked to you. My kids have been very busy. (laughs) And so I just think of them and their little, you know, colleague children around the world who, whose future is very compromised by what happens here in Washington, D.C. This might not be where the power and where things are decided, but this is where they emanate, the decisions and policy emanates from. And I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not comfortable. I'm not, you know, content when I look at the future. I, I, I hate to fear monger myself, but I'm a I'm a child of the Cold War, and my I've had dreams of mushroom clouds my whole life, wow. and I think today we're closer to nuclear war than we have been for a long time. You know, the posturing around Ukraine and NATO and to try to destabilize the Russian Federation is being very it's it's destabilizing my children and grandchildren's future. We've lived under the cloud of this bomb for way too long. Well, you're so right. And in fact, it was just a a few weeks ago, I I, uh, had the honor of speaking with Dr. Helen Caldicott again, Uh who I've spoken Uh with in the past about, you know, nuclear power and the dangers of it. We spoke in the wake of Fukushima, but I spoke to her a few weeks ago about she was uh, in New York or uh, in Boston, but she had a, a symposium scheduled for that weekend in New York about this time, really the threat of nuclear Annihilation and you know, the world nuclear clock or whatever they call it has moved up. We're now at three minutes right. to midnight. We are in and really precarious times. My whole life. Yeah. It's, it is very precarious. And you know, we have to realize as people that, you know, peace is the existential imperative right now that, you know, war is barbaric, torture is barbaric. Uh, the, the prison, the school-to-prison pipeline, the school-to-military pipeline is barbaric. And so that time we as a nation, as an empire, grow up and realize that, um, you know, collectively. And so this is why I keep going. You know, I keep going because something's got to give one of these days and there's got to be some kind of tipping point where we can have a mass movement. And if we don't keep going, Nicole, if we don't keep fertilizing the soil and building the foundations, when that tipping point does come, there, there'll be chaos instead of um, organized resistance and organized change. Right. And I know, look, you are the backbone of the, the peace movement, and I'm glad that backbone is fortified. You and David Swanson, who's there with you in D.C. with World Beyond right. War and, <laughs> and Veterans for Peace. I mean, they're, 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 you know, you guys are the ones still doing this. And I, I often wonder, do it aloud here on the show a lot, what happened to the, the, the peace movement? Why aren't we in the streets? And I think, you know, so many of us are still hurting from another Bush disaster. What You know, he, he brought us to war. We wouldn't have ISIS. We wouldn't even be dealing with this mess if not for that invasion 12 years ago. But he also destroyed the economy. And so many of us are still really uh, down, you know, hurting because of that, that, you know, we, we're putting our efforts into just, you know, making it through right. the month. Um, surviving, right? Exactly. <laughs> we're in survival mode. But you mode. can do local. And, and I, I also realize how hard it is to get to Washington, D.C. I think that when this was made the capital, it was like the geographic center of the country, but it's not anymore, you know. So it really is, it is hard to get here, and I, we understand that. And so we encourage, and we do have a lot of solidarity actions, not as many as we can say, oh, there's one near you because that's not true. But tomorrow, even if you're just by yourself or whatever, go out in the corner with a sign and just say, end these endless wars. And, um, you know, start organizing locally because that's where the um, mass movements are going to take place. Right. And we've seen, we've seen a lot of good resistance against police brutality and things like that that are so spontaneous, that spontaneously erupt. But we we feel like we need 
some kind of organized um, response and not just being reactive to events, but being proactive. Right. No, I I agree with you. And and there's an opportunity here because Congress is supposedly debating a new AUMF, a new authorization for use of military force, because what they're using to justify the wars we're participating in is from 2003. And but here's the problem. And um, during the hearings on this new AUMF, they're debating everything but because the, this Congress, these members of Congress are so chicken shit that they don't want to go on record as supporting a, a yet another war because they see <clears throat> the political price so many politicians paid for doing it in 2003. So um, this might be the opportunity. I mean, there was a, a right. I saw a coverage on some show about yesterday's hearing where they all just they danced around the actual issue of the new AUMF. And if we all, you know, lobby our representatives uh, on this, you know, maybe they'll all be afraid to cast that vote. Maybe they won't get a new authorization for use of military force. Uh, how well, else you do- know, Obama has asked for that, and but Obama has also said he doesn't need it right. because of He'll the original authorization oh. to use military force. So, you know, I think uh, lobbying your congress congressperson or whatever, um, it's something that's easy to do. Pick up the phone, give them a call. But I really think that that we have to address the root of the problem, and the root of the problem is that we do live in an empire that uh, war is, we've only not been at war 12 years the whole time we've been a nation oh, here. God. And so we we need to address the root of the issue is that um, even if Congress does give authorization to these military force, how is Congress, how is Congress, um, you know, accountable? How is, how is Congress capable of authorizing military force when they get their campaign coffers lined by the same people that Obama gets his campaign coffers right. lined by. You know, it's a military industrial complex that this, that, that this country is subservient to. Doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or a Republican. And so we the people have to refuse to participate in their wars anymore and be part of their wars anymore. And, you know, that's when things are going to change, I think. You know, I've said often uh, uh, that that I think um, uh, the the biggest problem we have are these leaders, uh, the presidents, the prime ministers, the dictators, the congressmen mm-hmm. who, you know, their inclination is go to war. I've got audio of Louis, Louis Gomer yesterday saying we just need to bomb Iran. We need to take out their. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's their answer. Um, uh-huh. But the, the right. people in these nations, I mean, with all the back and forth over the Iran negotiations, um, I know that the majority of the average citizens of Iran actually like us. They're a very Western kind of nation. They're not in line with the theocratic rule of the Ayatollahs. They'd rather be like us. If we left it up to the people, I think we'd have a peaceful planet. We, you know, right. and I know you and, and many of those who are participating this week in Spring Rising um, have gone to different nations and met with the citizens, met with real people, mm-hmm. and we, right. we all get along. It's the leaders who are the problem. I think we should put them all in the Coliseum and let them fight it out. <laughs> it's the leaders, and it's their, I think more than the leaders, it's their puppet masters yeah. that well, are the problem. The money. And, you know. Yeah, and I think that really, even if there's, this, the countries are so-called enemies, they have the same puppet masters. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. You know, fo- exactly. Follow the money, and just we need to just cut that. We need to cut their uh, cannon fodder pipeline off. Even though wars are becoming more mechanized, um, you know, as we speak, we need to cut their funding off. We need to just really use whatever resources we have to combat the empire and, and combat these. These really racist wars for empire, and so we. But then, like you said, half the battle—no, more than half the battle—is com- combating the propaganda that yeah. comes out of our so-called media. Oh, the media is the worst. That's why it's important yeah. what you do, what I do. Cindy Sheehan, I know tomorrow you got a big march planned in Washington. It's people can still come and join you. What's on tap yeah. for today and tomorrow? Today we have a teach-in at UD, teach-ins at UDC from 11 to 9 o'clock. So we have many wonderful speakers on um, all the all the important issues of, of empire. And so, like you said, people can get more information at springrising.org. 
And tomorrow we have buses coming from all over to join us in the Spring Rising Rally in March. That starts at 12 o'clock at um, Lafayette Plaza in front of the White House. So this is like, also, Nicole, uh, it's the anniversary of bombing Libya. They oh, did wow. it the same day we were at the rally, oh to, you know, in 2010. We were, like, at a rally against <laughs> against Iraq, and it was announced that they started bombing Libya. Oh, my God. So, yeah. <laughs> so, hello, anti-war movement. Oh, yeah, you yeah. know, F you. So, we, uh, we hope they don't start bombing somebody else tomorrow while oh, we're yes. um, out marching against war and empire. Yeah, well, I'm with you, uh, but I wouldn't uh, hold my breath. Uh, Cindy Sheehan, to quote um, uh, somebody who's, well, anonymous in the chat room this morning, you are strong and an inspiration. Cindy Sheehan, soapbox.com is where you always find Cindy, and springrising.org is uh, the website for all the events going on now, today and tomorrow, still in Washington, D.C. If you're anywhere nearby, brave the snow, the spring snow, and go join them. It's supposed to stop snowing about tomorrow. Good. Okay. And then (laughs) if the big melt comes. Cindy, thank you so much. It's great to talk Uh, with you. Uh, You too, Nicole, and I hope we talk sooner than however long it's been. I I hope so, too. We will. It it hasn't been that long, but but it's too long, for (laughs) sure. So we'll be in touch. Uh, In fact, you're going to join us in our production of Lisa Strata, right? Yes, 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 yes. I'm very excited Terrific. about that. All right. We'll talk about yes, that off awesome. the air. Thank you so much. Cindy Sheehan, uh, Cindy Sheehan Soapbox.com. Thanks, Cindy. Well, we never did do that production of Lisa Strata, but you never know. <laughs> we could still get that done. Hopefully there won't be a need for it, but if it's there, you know, it's on the list. I am Nicole Sandler off today, had my eye surgery done, planning on taking the whole week off, but so much depends on what happens in the news. If the former guy is arrested in the next 24 hours, we'll do a show tomorrow. Just either way, we'll have something that you can listen to, okay? Well, in the few minutes we have left, I thought we would escape from the news and from the politics for a while and delve into my music interview archive. So today we'll go back to 1996. The actual date was March 12th, trying to keep it in this time frame. So this week or last week, about 14 years ago or thereabouts, sorry, my math sucks. Here is one visit from Keb Moe into the KSCA Music Hall. Enjoy. Nicole here. We have moved into the music hall, and I'm looking at, well, his name is Kevin Moore, although blues fans and listeners to KSCA know him as Keb Moe. He's um, played for years in clubs and on records with some of the greats for, what, like 15 years before your first record came out? We can use the 15 years number. That works, huh? Um, <laughs> finally released his date, or is more than that? Huh? Is it more than that? We can use a 15 years. Okay. It's all right. <laughs> uh, Kebmo released his self-titled debut album about two years ago. Uh, new one is almost complete. You're putting the finishing touches on it? Yes, yes. We're When's, mixing right now. When do we see that one? Well, hopefully late April. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we're looking for, you know, we're in the mixing. And the record company's calling and asking for the sequence of songs. and <laughs> So they can print it, but we don't know what okay. the sequence is going to be. So, Was this the exciting part? Uh, no. Yeah. Or is uh, this the monotonous? It's part? all exciting. All right. I mean, it's all. It really is. So you're you're an LA person, but you're leaving us. Are you leaving us? Well, I'm just taking a little adventure. Uh-huh. I want to say I'm leaving. Uh, leaving. You know, it's my hometown. It's like you know, you can't leave your home. Well, you can leave, but you can't leave it. Right. You're you know never I mean? true. But you're moving to New Orleans. Yes. Yes. As an adventure, going on an adventure where it starts. It might. Who knows where it might end up? It might end up in, you know, anywhere. Anywhere, there's a whole world out there. But it starts in New Orleans. I've been living in L.A. all my life. I'm L.A. born and raised. Raised in Compton, living in L.A. And I'm now a very mature man of 44. And uh, I like to, uh, you know. You look like you're like 28. Doesn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. Thank you very much. Thank you well, very much. Just use the 15 year figure again. <laughs> you can yeah, use no. that 15 year figure. I don't even know how old you were, man. But I got my friends with me. Can I introduce everybody? Absolutely. Okay, we got um, on percussion today. We have Scott Bredman. We know Scott. Yeah. Hi, Scott. We got Scott Bredman. And on bass, we have Federico Pohl. Hello? Federico Pohl. Lindsay, if you're out there, Scott and I are working. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. And uh, on keyboards this morning, Joe Ellen Friedkin. 
Well, welcome to yeah. the music hall. Now, yeah. Kevin, you've been here before, this, but last time you were here, it was just you alone. Now you've got a band. Is this the band that's going to be with the House of Blues tomorrow night? Yes. And tomorrow? That is being well, built we have as a, your... Well, Scott Bredman is, 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 is showed up here, you know. I, I just met him today. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, he's a friend of uh, Federico Pohl, and now he's a friend of mine, of course, but he just came in this morning to, to play with us, and I'm very honored to have him. Oh, very Mr. cool. Scott Bredman, yeah. Well, tomorrow night you're at the House of Blues, yes. and it's being built as your moving party, so yeah. we can all say farewell, not goodbye, but farewell. You want to give us a sample of, of what we might hear? Okay, we, I guess we'll try a new tune here. This is pretty bold to do, huh? Yeah. Right on radio Come in front on, of everybody. That's what it means we got to. This is all a song called That's Not Love. All right, Keb Mo in the music hall at FM 101.9. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Keb 
Mo in the music hall at FM 101.9. Wow. So, wow. Great song. And I'm very impressed with Scott. First time he's ever played the song. First time he heard it. Professional. He's a All pro. Right. It was cool watching the signals in the studio, too. It's Keb Mo. Shh, don't tell me. Okay. Um, it's the so, 15 year. Use the 15. Okay. <laughs> so that's one of the songs that'll be on the new album coming yes. out, hopefully yes. in late April. Does the album have a name yet? Um, it'd probably be called, like, Just Like You, I think. Just like, you? just like you on there. All right. Yeah. So, um, and maybe we'll maybe use that as the title. That's looking looking like the, the title. That sounds like a good title. No. Your name is Kevin Moore. Yes. Keb Mo. Why why Keb Mo? Keb Mo is something that's been happening all my life. You know, anybody that's named Kevin Moore, and if you're from a place where people have a southern accent, they're gonna call you Keb Mo. Uh huh. That's just all it is to it. Okay. <laughs> but your friends call you Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Okay. They call me all. They, my friend. Yeah, they call me Kevin. They, sometimes, yeah. Um. Yeah. You uh, you've done some acting as well, in addition to your playing. Your Very, play. you know, acting out of out of like you know that comes out of this you know necessity kind of like I've done a little bit of acting and since uh stage plays and you played you know, Robert Johnson. Yeah, in a in a docu docudrama. Have you we know, seen that anywhere? No, you haven't, you haven't seen it, but I'm, I've done it. <laughs> Nobody saw it. I did it. Nobody saw it, but Where I did it. Where is it? Well, it's in the, I guess it's the, the makers of the piece are in the negotiation process. Oh. I mean, I made this thing before I even was signed to OK Records. I was working as a musician, and, you know, I was doing all this Robert Johnson stuff. Right. So people like, say, well, let's use Kevin. You can kind of know that Robert Johnson vibe. So what, what was that like for you to, like, put yourself into Robert Johnson's Oh Well, it wasn't, hard. it wasn't hard because it was docudrama. It was storytelling. Danny Glover is the... Uh, narrator of it uh-huh. you know so the, a lot of it i mean danny glover is huge on the camera and he takes up all he tells the story <laughs> and he just you know what i mean it just all i have to do is get in there and show my face every once in a while and like you and know, play a couple play, licks on the guitar yeah you know what i mean and, and they flash my name on the credits you know what I mean? well, suddenly i'm an actor <laughs> well we'll keep an eye out for it maybe someday it'll be released but that's cool you got that on your resume yeah right? I mean, yeah i don't mean to, to act i think i just think you know acting is such a, a res- highly respected profession i hate to just jump in there saying i'm you know, I've even done any acting when there's people like, I mean, like, you know, I mean, what's this? Like Al Pacino's an actor, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it is Keb Mo, also known as Kevin Moore in the yeah. music hall with some yeah. friends. Um, Federico Pole, Scott Bedman, Joanna, Joanna Freak. Yeah. Tomorrow night at the House of Blues, it's your moving party, you're moving yes. to New Orleans, but you'll come back and visit. I'll be back, I'll be back. As, I'll, you probably see me more, you know. <laughs> when you go away. Yeah. Okay. Will you play an old favorite for us? Sure. From maybe the first album. Sure. Okay, it's Kevin Mo in right. the music hall. We'll play a little tune called Tell Everybody I Know. Yeah. Ready, y'all? Yeah. It's no secret, I don't care. Gonna shine it out everywhere. Well, I love my baby. Hot, cold, fast, smooth. Love my baby, gonna tell everybody I know In the evening in my bed I hear voices in my head They say never, never ever let her go I love my baby, gonna tell everybody I know I love my baby, gonna tell everybody I know Well, other women don't mean a thing to me yeah, you can pick them all up, drop them all in the sea. Cause if I got no money, she don't care. She'll open up her pocketbook and pay my fare. I know she loves me, hot, cold, fast, slow. Love my baby, gonna tell everybody I know. I love my baby, gonna tell everybody I know. Drop them all in the sea. If 
never got no money, she don't care. She'll open up her pocketbook and pay my fare. I know she loves me, up down high low. I love my baby, gonna tell everybody I know. I love my baby, gonna tell everybody I know. Mmm, she a sweet thing. <laughs> yeah, fine thing. She's a lovely thing. Gonna tell everybody I know. I love my baby. Hot, cold, fast, Gonna tell everybody. Tell everybody I know I'm gonna ho! Mo in the music hall at FM 101.9 and and band. Um, it, tell everybody I know it's found on the debut album Keb Mo. Yes. It's been out a couple of years almost. Yes. Um, new one expected in April. Can't wait to hear it. Uh, we love this album. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna really love the next one too. Keb Mo, thanks for coming by. It's great seeing you. Thank again. you, Nicole. And that's a wrap. For this edition of the Nicole Sandler Show, a best of, so to speak, this day in history, March 20th, the anniversary of the U.S. invasion of Iraq. Tomorrow's the 21st. Who knows what the day will bring us if it brings charges, an arrest, an indictment of a former sitting president? I'll be here with a live show. If not, I'll bring you something equally interesting. Promise? Talk to you then.